Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We're back after an extended summer break, tanned, toned and raring to go for next week's 2019 Edinburgh International Television Festival. But before we board the train to Scotland in this week's show... I have been dreaming, eating, sleeping, the Pacific Ocean for so long. Trying to push the limit, trying to do something that has never been done before, you learn a lot about yourself. You discover part of yourself that you never know. Benoit Lacan recounts his attempt to swim the Pacific Ocean as part of a new documentary being made for Discovery-backed Group 9 Media to highlight the growing problem of plastic pollution in our oceans. If, like me, you've been lucky enough to spend some of your summer on a beach, you may have had a moment to contemplate not only your own belly button, but also the proliferation of tiny plastic particles in the sand around you. I certainly did, and so now seems as good a time as any to air the interview I did with Ben earlier in the year on a slightly blustery Riviera terrace at MIPTV in Cannes. The 52-year-old Frenchman set out in the summer of 2018 to become the first person to swim 5,500 miles across the Pacific Ocean, trailed by a group of documentary makers and scientists who followed his adventures and also used it to extract vital data about the extent of the plastic pollution problem. Lacan was ultimately thwarted in his attempt by typhoons, though it was the support vessel that gave way rather than his resolve. But I spoke to him and the swim's exec producer, Jared McGilliard of Nomadica Films, about how the project came about and the challenges they encountered along the way. This is an extended version of a C21 TV video interview you can watch on our site right now. Yeah, so in 98, I did a swim across the Atlantic Ocean. At the time, it was to raise awareness and fund for cancer research because my father had passed away from cancer. And uh, when I finished it, I thought it was, oh, that's it, I'm done. But very soon after, uh, you know, uh, the, the, I had that draw, I had that call to go back in the water to experience those uh, very, very uh, emotional moments and also lows and highs, but you discover yourself through uh, those type of expedition. And then after, I've always been involved in open water swimming and seen a lot of uh, plastic floating and much more plastic coming every day, every time I was uh, swimming. And uh, that gave me the idea to use that platform uh, of a swim to get the attention on the issue and to also have uh, uh, scientific uh, entities work with us and uh, so we will collect that and uh, provide them with a very important information along the way and I always thought that the best way to get attention also not only to do something like that is to have a film attached to what we're doing so that we expand our reach and uh, that's, uh, that was a awesome add-on to the mission. We were looking to find a story about the, the state of our oceans and the state of our planet, but trying to find a story that was would allow the audience to experience it and uh, experience, kind of go out there for a discovery to see what, how, what state our oceans are in. And so when we heard about Ben and what Ben was doing, um, we decided to tag along. And it was a six-month expedition um, to swim from uh, Japan to San Francisco. And um, we had two camera operators on board, 10 crew all together. Um, everyone had cameras in their hands as well, though. And we followed Ben as he uh, swam eight hours a day. The idea of uh, swimming across the Pacific came out very soon after the, the Atlantic. But then I had children. 
and so I put that on the side. And uh, but now my children are really my true motivation because uh, the state of the uh, ocean is uh, not affecting my life, not that won't affect my life so much, but it will affect theirs and even their children even more. So what I'm doing right now is just trying to uh, use a platform and to use my passion to, to convey the importance of uh, what we do right now in terms of plastic, how we consume plastic, how we live with plastics that uh, is impacting the next generation. Because it's one thing to see plastic when you're on top of the water, we all saw that, but when you are swimming, you see underneath what's happening, uh, it's totally different. I want to bring people into that environment and, and share it so that uh, you know, when you share it, when you start loving it and understanding that it's uh, become a problem, that's when you can start making some uh, changes. They also encountered two typhoons, <laughs> water maker breaking, engine breaking, the drama, obviously crossing the Pacific and doing a, one of the few remaining firsts, you know, it's obviously world's first, is, is a great experiment as well and not knowing what they would encounter. And there was, yeah. outside of eight hours of swimming a day, there was high drama, um, you know, when you're swimming across the ocean, it's such an, there's no more intimate way, I think, to experience it. And so Ben experienced amazing encounters with sea life. But I think the flip side of this is you have this beautiful, incredible environment, these amazing sea life, you know, curious sea life coming to look at Ben. And then right there next to it, you have plastic and debris. And not one day went by over the six months that he swam where they did not encounter plastic and debris. Um, both large pieces of debris and then also microplastics were prevalent. What, one piece every two minutes or? Uh, well, between two and three pieces every minute. What were some of the production challenges that uh, were encountered? Obviously, you, you referenced typhoons and so on. I mean, how, how do you kind of uh, manage in those circumstances? Yeah, the production challenges were endless. I mean, I think when you're talking about covering something that's never been done before, when you're doing production, you're creating a system to a system that's existing. And since their system was a bit more of an experiment as well, ours had to be very flexible. Um, mold on inside of the boat, obviously high winds, hurricanes, salt um, corroding our equipment. Um, just getting the shot and making sure we had cameras at every moment. You know, when you have an animal encounter or, um, you know, something very dangerous happen, if you don't get it in that moment, it's not like you can, you can find that moment again. So just making sure we had, I mean, I think we had 20 cameras on board, um, some fixed, some handheld. Um, uh, and our, our goal was to really get a perspective of the ocean from under the water and to sort of bring the audience into Ben's experience and that intimate relationship. And I think the perspective of seeing both the sea light, the beauty and the horrific side of the ocean and, and the debris from underneath the water is really special. Um, so really capturing that perspective from underneath and then making sure when there's any piece of drama or anything going wrong that our cameras are able to catch it. It was, it was incredibly challenging. And then I was just simply just the, you know, our, our camera operators were not just camera operators, they were part of the crew as well. So they were on watch every day right. and they had watch duty. So, you know, is it our, cam our team really sort of completely um, embedded with, uh, with the crew on the boat. Obviously, uh, Blue Planet had a, had a very uh, significant impact in terms of environmental awareness uh, all around the world. How aware of that series were you and how do you feel that the natural history documentaries of this nature are sort of changing? I mean, I think when you look back at, you know, there was like, you know, a news came out about David Attenborough and he was always showing one side of nature. 
you know, the most beautiful, pristine, sort of idyllic side. Um, and we look at this project as something where it's offering the audience an emotional experience. You know, an it's an adventure film about someone trying to do something spectacular um, beyond our imagination, but it has a specific um, messaging to it, um, that experience that I think they can't find anywhere else. So our goal for this project is to really engage a different type of audience that wouldn't normally seek out a story about the state of our planet. And I think that Blue Planet and a lot of those other films have done an amazing job of engaging specific audiences that are drawn to how our planet's doing and the incredible aspects of our planet. And I think that we're hoping that this film sort of intrigues a different type of audience that, like I said, would not normally seek out um, a story about the state of our oceans, but is honestly just wants to come for like an incredible story about man versus mother nature trying to do something that is beyond our imagination. How do you feel when you come to a market like this and there's so much single-use plastic still in use and they have a, uh, an event about sustainability? <laughs> yeah. I you struggle with that myself. Yeah. We do too, and I think that... I mean, obviously, producing the film and being there along the journey on a daily basis, my perspective of plastic has changed drastically. You know, I, it's something that's always been part of our lives. I just notice it a lot more, and I have an emotional reaction when I see it. But it is, I think, until systems change, you know, I think that's what we're hoping for, is to create new systems. And I do think that that's beginning to happen. We're seeing plastic bags being banned. We're seeing plastic straws being banned. I think there are steps being taken. But right now, the system by which we exist as human beings involves a certain level of plastic. And unfortunately, it's single-use plastic. But I do think that the film is coming out at a really unique time where this collision of uh, that emotion to want to see change um, and change actually happening is, hap is, is occurring. So I think we're, we're hitting it at a really good time. But like you said, it's, it's absolutely unavoidable plastic in our culture anywhere but, but, we go. But what about um, sustainability in TV production and, and reduction of, of plastic waste in TV production? I mean, did you, was that a part of the way that you filmed this? Uh, I mean, and, and do, do you see, is there much being done in the business? I think, I think from our production standpoints, yes. You know, whether we're filming for The Swim or different series and productions that we do, that, that level of trying to decrease our footprint and decrease our use of plastics is something that we certainly put on our productions. But yeah, I mean, I think if you go to a lot of other productions and you look at those sets, they're huge, huge consumers of plastic. And there's a lot of waste there. And I think that that's just, again, it's just empowering people to want to make a change in their own life and that sort of pushes out. Um, and I hope to see that change in our, in our um, career field very soon. I had this fear, you know, as I was recently in Hawaii and I saw these kids you know, going on the beach and picking up rocks and there was this line of plastic, microplastics. And I had this thing, I was like, oh man, I hope we don't get to a place where kids are collecting pieces of plastic on the beach as their treasures versus shells and, and rocks and such. But it's like, I could see that that potential, you know, that narrative playing out for us. I mean, I honestly don't think we're that far from it. Swimmer Benoit Lacan and Jared McGilliard from Nomadica Films talking about their documentary, The Swim, for Discovery-backed Group 9 Media Digital Network Seeker. The adventure's not over for Lacan. In fact, right now, he's swimming through the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, otherwise known as the Pacific Trash Vortex, a swirling mass of plastic some estimates put at more than three times the size of Spain. He's being sponsored by sustainable clothes manufacturer Icebreaker. The company is one of many around the world, even some in TV, who are trying to find alternative solutions to our reliance on synthetic fibre. Also, while I was on holiday doing my best to avoid emails but failing miserably, a press release arrived in my inbox from Sky. 
the pay TV giant, now a part of Comcast, launched its Ocean Rescue campaign in 2017 and a £25 million Ocean Ventures investment fund the year after. Earlier this year, it received additional support from government and the company itself is aiming to be single-use plastic-free by 2020. Its Ventures Fund has now made its first string of investments in a range of businesses, innovating in areas such as alternatives to the plastic microfibers found in many cosmetics, biodegradable packaging and even children's clothes that grow with them. Search for Sky Ocean Ventures online for more information and follow Ben LeConte's latest exploits on Twitter. That's all for this episode, but there'll be more from us next week from the Edinburgh Festival. Listen out for that show, and in the meantime, stay up to date with all the latest industry developments by following C21 online, on Twitter, and on mobile. Thanks for listening. Listener.